Good morning, good morning. It's good to see you. Are you glad to be in the house? Yeah. Um, before any of you ring Chloe and tell her that I brought a blonde to church with me this morning, it's my mum. You'll never believe who he brought with him this morning. Um, and by the way, of course, I um, mum um, dropped in this morning on, on, on to me, but um, I am one of, of two sons, correct? I am the eldest. I am the firstborn. I am the inheritor. Yes. There is another son. There is uh, my younger brother, Reuben, um, who I'll bring with me some, uh, some morning uh, to, to meet you. Um, Reuben and I, although we're brothers, we are like chalk and cheese. We are so different. He is tall. I am short. He has dark hair. I grew up with bright ginger hair like the sun. Now, did anybody else here grow up with ginger hair? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. One person. I was going to say we could, all, we could have all went to therapy together. <laughs> Reuben, uh, when we were growing up, I was into football. Reuben was into Doctor Who. When we were in school, I was into academics. Reuben was good at art. When we went to university, I had one girlfriend who I'm going to marry. Reuben, we've given up counting. <laughs> one of the most obvious differences, though, between me and Reuben, believe it or not, is our fashion. It's what we were. Now, Ruben studies fashion in England at university, so fashion is his passion. But in comparison to me, I am the Primark to his Prada. I am George Asda to his Gucci. It is not something to behold. We are very, very different. For me, I'm trackies and a cozy sweatshirt. For Ruben, he is ripped jeans, and I kid you not, leopard print shirt, right? That's my brother. Now, there was one morning, we were both home uh, for the Christmas holidays, and we were heading out somewhere, and I was coming down the stairs, and Ruben, being the fashion expert that he is, he just stops and he goes, are you wearing that? And I said, Ruben, that leopard print, are you wearing that? But you know what, I hate to admit it, he was rocking that leopard print. He was looking really, really good in it. Although if I was dressed in it, I would look like a pale, pasty, pregnant leopard, but that's not the point. For Reuben, fashion is everything. And for some of us, what we were is really important, isn't it? But for others, actually, what we were, we're not, we're not too fussed. We don't really mind. Now, this morning is all about practical Christianity, living for Jesus from Ephesians 4. And what we wear, believe it or not, will determine how we live for God. What we wear spiritually will determine what we live, how we live for God. So we're going to start our reading in Ephesians 4. We're going to begin in verse 21. And this morning's going to look a little bit different in terms of our rhythm, but we'll, we'll go with it together. So Ephesians 4, verse, uh, beginning verse 21. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature, and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Now, Paul here is talking about nature. You can see the word highlighted. What does he mean by that? Throw off your old sinful nature. Your nature, a wee bit like the last time we spoke, nature is who you are. It's all the components which produce you. It's your thoughts, it's your motivations, your actions, your words, beliefs, your heart, your spirit, and your soul. 
Now, Paul says something really interesting. He says, throw off your old sinful nature. So in other words, if it can be thrown off, then it can be put on. If our old sinful nature can be thrown off, then it can be put back on again. In other words, our nature is something that we wear. It's something that we can put on. Now, there's two natures in the scripture that we read of. And for followers of Jesus, there's two natures, each that are at war with each other. They are complete opposites. Now, we're going to look at the second nature in a wee bit. But Paul, in this instance, is talking about the first nature, or for us, the old nature. He's talking about a way of living which is corrupted and ruined, as the scripture said, by lust and deception The sinful nature is without God and by definition ungodly. Now, who's Paul talking to? When he's writing this scripture, specifically who's Paul talking to? Because he's talking about wearing a sinful nature. He's talking about lust and deception. And bear in mind that this letter to the Ephesians would have been read out publicly to the church like we're gathered here today. And we could read that and think, oh, Paul's dropping one in there for the unsaved people in the room. You know, get rid of your lust, get rid of your deception, sort your life out, throw off your sinful nature. But that's not who Paul's talking to. Paul is talking to Christians. Paul's talking to you and me here about what we're wearing. In other words, Paul comes to the Ephesian church, or sorry, he writes to the Ephesian church rather, and he says, what are you wearing? What have you got on you? He says you need to throw off your sinful nature. You need to throw off who you were. You need to throw off your former life. And what that means is that there were Christians in the Ephesian church who if Paul was having to tell them to throw off their sinful nature, to throw off who they were, well then they must have been wearing something that they shouldn't have been. Spiritually speaking, the Ephesian Christians were wearing their old nature. They were wearing their old nature. For many of us in the room this morning, could it be said that we're wearing our old nature? Paul looks at them and he says, what are you wearing? That's not who God called you to be. That's not what God has for you to wear. Are we wearing our old nature. Well, let's get practical. It's practical Christianity this morning, right? Here's a question. How do I know that I'm wearing my old nature? How do I know that I'm wearing my old self, the person who I used to be before I met Jesus? Here's five signs that you're wearing the old nature. This is the first verse we're gonna look at. Verse 25, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood. The first sign is telling lies. And lies are basically statements, right, that are factually untrue, spoken out with the intent to deceive. So if I tell you that it's 12 o'clock and it just so happens that my watch was wrong and I didn't realize, that's not a lie. But if I tell you it's 12 o'clock and I know fine rightly it's 12 o'clock and my whole motive is to keep you late for something, that's a lie. And the problem with lies are that they work their way into our everyday language and they will grow into every part 
of our lives. Wearing our old nature looks like lies. Let's go to the next verse, verse 26. And don't sin by letting anger control you. The second sign that you're wearing your old nature is anger. Is anger a sin? Well, in and of itself, no, because God can be angry. But the difference is God has a righteous anger with the whole motive being to remove sin and to bring holiness. But for us, it's not so easy, if not impossible, to have righteous anger because our emotions on this side of eternity are so tainted by sin. In fact, the Bible in Genesis and Deuteronomy speaks of, a, of an anger being kindled. In other words, anger is confirmed to, is con, uh, I forgot my word, is compared to a fire. And like fire, our anger can smolder. And that's what we call malice. Malice is something like smoldering that kind of sits under the surface. It's a wee bit easier to conceal. And it wishes people harm in private. And it works subtly to pull people down. But anger, like a fire, can suddenly burst forth with power and with fury. And that's what we call wrath. Wrath is violent. Wrath is furious. Wrath goes all out to seek revenge. And Paul says, don't let anger control you. And if you're human in here this morning... I think we've all known what it is that let anger control us. Where that fire just seems to grow and then eventually explode. Wearing our old nature looks like anger. The third sign comes from the next verse that says, if you are a thief, quit stealing. How practical is that? If you're a thief, quit stealing. Sign four, that you're wearing your old nature is Stealing. It's the seventh commandment, you shall not steal. And that was in that context to protect property. But for us today, it can mean so much more, right? Do we subtly steal company time? Philip would argue that I would because I spend too much time in the toilet. <laughs> Here's a modern one. Where do you get your music and online entertainment from? Are we, are we paying for it legitimately? Or are we kind of pulling the strings to get some stuff for free? Are we legitimately paying or are we stealing? Are we withholding money that we owe people? Are we devaluing items for the sake of profit? Are we wasting things that could otherwise be a blessing to others? Are we being dishonest about our income with the tax man? A sign that we're wearing the old nature is when we're stealing from God and we're stealing from people. Here's verse 29. Let no corrupt word precede your mouth. Sign four is this, corrupt words. Now, corrupt in Matthew 7 is basically referring to uh, rotten fruit. So words that are worthless, they are rotten, they've gone off. Now, when we usually talk about using our words as Christians, I think we can be guilty of settling for, well, if I don't say any of the bad words, then I'm okay. But that's not what Paul's getting at here. Paul is talking about language. He's talking about words that are completely corrupted from the inside. Words that are used to pull people down, whether they're in the room or not. Even kind words, but they're said with the wrong motivations. Words are incredibly powerful. In fact, in Northern Ireland, we're amazing at covering up our words. Now, part of our sense of humor is sarcasm, isn't it? 
right? And do you know what? That's okay. But we are very good at using our sense of humor at making a joke with a jive, aren't we? We're, we let on we're kidding, but actually the whole thing's aimed to pull that person down. Corrupt words is anything that would aim, that would go out of its way to pull down the character and to defame the life of someone else. If the person was in the room, would we say it? If Jesus was in the room, would we say it? So why often do we use corrupted words when we know that Jesus is there? A sign of wearing your old nature is corrupt words. Here's the next verse. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, and as well as all types of evil behavior. The fifth sign that you're wearing your old nature is bitterness. Now, bitterness is essentially this kind of hostile feeling to another person. Hostility and bitterness will completely reshape who you are. It will reshape your mind. It will reshape your outlook on life. It will reshape your approach to other people. And what happens when bitterness sets in is that we begin to harbor resentment to certain people and we kind of begin to cover it up in our own hearts. One of the most common places that bitterness will grow from is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is an extremely damaging thing. In fact, unforgiveness is, there's a, there's a great quote that says, unforgiveness is the devil's playground and the Christian's battlefield. The devil's playground and the Christian battlefield. And one of the results of bitterness in our lives is that we end up more damaged than the people who damage us. We end up more damaged than the people who damaged us. And the second result of bitterness, just like the fire we talked about, if it simmers under the surface for long enough, that fire, that bitterness will explode. And we don't get a say in what happens and who gets affected because of it. Bitterness is a sign that we're wearing the old nature. Now, you might have noticed um, that I'm wearing my old nature this morning. And it's got all the words, it's got all the signs that we talked about. It's got words, it's got stealing, it's got bitterness, it's got anger, it's got lies. But here's the problem with wearing the old nature. Is that, see, after a while, I get used to it again. I get used to living the way I was before I met Jesus. Or even if we want to put it forward a bit and say, I get used to living the way I was before Jesus sanctified me and he changed me and he's moving me toward him. In fact, actually after a while, the old nature gets quite comfortable again, doesn't it? We get comfortable in our lives because, well, sure, it makes life a wee bit more convenient for me. We get comfortable with our anger because we feel that we reserve the right to feel that way because of what that person did to us. We get comfortable with our stealing because sure, it's not like I'm hurting anybody and it's not like I'm gonna get caught either. And sure, it saves me a couple of quid. We get comfortable with corrupt words because see, after what that person said to me, I'm more than happy to say that about them. 
And we end up in this reciprocal process where we feel absolutely justified and absolutely comfortable as the children of God to where the old nature that Jesus died for. We get comfortable in our bitterness because after what we've been through, after what that person put us through, I will work my socks off to make them feel what I had to feel. And before we know it, we are comfortable, we are settled, and we are ready to keep living in our old nature. Now, there's two consequences of being comfortable. Two consequences of being comfortable in our old nature. The first one is this, it kills our witness. It kills your testimony. See, I think sometimes we think we're very good at covering up what we're wearing spiritually, right? But you know what? Everybody can see it. Everybody can see what we're wearing. And what happens is people who don't follow Jesus, people who don't believe in Jesus, they will look at us, they will look at what they're wearing and they'll say, see, if that's a Christian, forget it, don't want to know. I have seen that more times than enough. Then people will look at what we're wearing spiritually and they'll say, if that's Jesus, I don't want it. The second thing, the comfort will kill is us. Comfort in the old nature is killing us. This is what the book of Romans says. For if you live according to the flesh or with the perspective of Ephesians 4, we could say to the old nature, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Paul again is talking to Christians. He's saying if you keep living the way that you did before you met Jesus, the end result is death both physically and spiritually. Wearing this is killing us. Wearing the old nature is killing us and we have to kill it before it kills us. What Ephesians 4 is telling us that if we wear our old nature, it will kill our faith. It will destroy our relationships and it will derail our purpose if we get comfortable in the old nature. But here's the good news this morning. You don't have to wear it anymore. The good news of the gospel for us this morning is that we don't have to wear this anymore. I don't have to carry it. I don't have to live with it. This is what verse 23 in Ephesians 4 says. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature Created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Ephesians tells us to throw off, to take off the old nature, the old us, the old way of living. And what the scripture tells us literally is to put on the new nature. To put on the nature that Jesus died for. We can throw off the old nature, if I can get it on. And throw off the old. That we're free to live for God. To be like him. To be righteous. And to be holy. To throw off the old. And to put on the new. Now again let's be practical. How do I put on my new nature? Okay it's not so easy as me just chucking that coat in the corner. And then throwing this nice new red one on. It's more practical than that. And all we need to do is just go back through Ephesians. And it's verse. Sorry it's five steps to putting on your new nature. So the scripture says, therefore each of you must put off falsehood. 
But Paul writes immediately after, speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Step one, depending on your new nature, speak the truth. This is what he says next. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Step two, depending on your new nature, deal with your anger. Don't let it fester. Don't let it simmer. Where it's possible, talk it out. Let's deal with it with each other. Proverbs 15 and 1, this is one of the bits of advice that, you know, if you have somebody who's um, a Christian in your life when you're growing up, for me, obviously, that was my dad. And the one thing he always used to say to me if I was frustrated with something that was going on, he would say, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. If you want to put on your new nature this morning, use gentle words. And that'll turn away wrath. It'll tone down a disagreement. And will set you in your way to dealing with anger. This is what Paul writes next. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work. And then give generously to others in need. Step three of putting on your new nature. Do good. If you genuinely struggle with stealing and getting up to a bit of nonsense, the best thing that you can do is to be proactive with your time, is to do good. Bless people. Be generous in the house of God. Be generous to others that you meet. Be proactive. Be busy at doing good. This is the next thing. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But this is what Paul says next. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Or as the NIV puts it, words that would build others up. Like we talked about, our words are so powerful. But step four of putting on your new nature is to speak life. Proverbs says that the power of life and death is in the tongue. Do you know that your words that our words have the power to breathe life or breathe death into someone's life or over a situation. Let's be a people who speak life over people, who speak encouragement over people, not words that are gonna tear people down even when they're not in the room, but words that would build them up in Christ Jesus. Let's be a people who speak life. Here's the next one. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. See, we can take on bitterness, or we can respond with step five, kindness, tenderness, forgiveness. Kindness, tenderness, forgiveness. Even when people don't deserve it. Isn't that what happened at the cross? When Jesus was being spat at, when he was being beaten, when he was being whipped, when he, by his own choice, would lay down his life, that he would allow humanity, that he would allow us to nail him to a cross for us, 
that we would be forgiven? Paul says, forgive as Christ forgave you. Now, I want to make this side point this morning. If you're struggling with forgiveness, God is not standing in the corner and judging you. I know there's some things that we will go through in our lives that is a process and it will take time to heal and boy, it will take time to forgive. I know that. And if that is you this morning, please, please, please don't feel that I'm putting a heavy burden on you because that's not what's happening. Rather, the Lord is coming alongside you and he's saying, walk with me and I'll show you how to forgive like I have forgiven you. There's one last thing about putting on your new nature. We can't do this on our own. We can't do this on our own. This is what Paul says next. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitude. See, putting off the old nature, putting on the new one begins in our thoughts and our attitudes. And if we're left to our own ability, if we're left to kind of do this on our own and try to wrestle with the old and wrestle with the new, we're going we're gonna to lose every time. But what Ephesians 4 tells us to do is be practical. And it's to let, it's to invite, it's to surrender to the Holy Spirit to change our attitudes, change our thoughts, that we can understand what it is to throw off the old and put on the new. There is a cost to this though. If we go to Galatians 2.20, it says this, my old self, the old nature, has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul's line of thinking is this. If the old you has been crucified, why would we go and put it back on again? If the old us is dead, why would we try to get it and to put it back on us? It's no longer we who live, but Jesus himself by the Spirit of God living within us. It's the new you. But our old selves... Our sinful nature had to be crucified with Jesus on the cross. And what he does is he takes upon himself our sinful nature. He takes on our lies. He takes on our anger. He takes on our stealing. He takes on our corruption. And upon himself, he takes on our bitterness. And he put it on the cross. And by his broken body and his spilt blood, we have forgiveness. And by his resurrection, we have the promise of new life and a new nature. This morning, church, what are you wearing? What are you wearing? For those of us who are wearing the old nature, the old us, what better time is there than a communion to throw off the old and put on your new nature in Jesus? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its wisdom. We thank you for its practicality. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit. You haven't left us to live this life alone. And Father, for all of us here this morning, I thank you that we don't have to live in the old nature anymore. 
We don't have to wear the old us. We don't have to wear our own sin. But Jesus, you died to give us a new nature, a new life, a new us. So Father, this morning, for those of us, I pray that with passion, we would throw off the old and we would put on the new. In Jesus' name, and all the people said, amen.